You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. It's the last Monday mailbag we'll be doing for a while. We'll be pivoting to Tuesdays here pretty quick. But uh, we still got one more in season, and we got plenty of stuff to cover. You guys asked some great questions, as always, and uh, we got we got a lot to answer. So uh, let's just jump on it. Here to help me answer those questions are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, what a day of football to watch, my friend. Two days. College followed by the NFL. We've had two full days of football. Everything is right in the world right now. You know, I could almost forget that we are still kind of in the middle of a pandemic here and that we need to try to figure this stuff out. But two full days of football. NFL's rolling all day. College football was all day yesterday. It's a couple weeks till we get the good college football matchups, but I'm feeling pretty good about this. And I know Craig enjoyed watching Tom Brady and Drew Brees face off today because they were guys of his age. So it's like nice to watch people that are of your same age playing the NFL, right, Craig? Listen, it makes me feel like I can do th- something with my life still. Watching those guys run around out there Wait, at the age run that they is a are. strong word. Run is a strong word. Why does watching the worst game of the day with two guys that like barely could throw the football make you feel like you can do something? Explain. Because they're still they're still doing it at a multi million dollar level. They're better at football than I am. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's very, very well, true. I I don't know about Drew Brees. Actually, I'm really I'm really not sure about Drew Brees. <laughs> wow. That was the I seriously that was the least enjoyable game I watched the entire day. And it was the most hyped matchup of the day, too. That was the problem with it. Yeah. Our pal Jake Stack, he made a really funny joke. He was just like, (laughs) I don't even think he was, I think he was legit angry. He just said Red Zone was force feeding this blowout Saints Bucks game down our throats when there's good football to be watched. (laughs) Cause like everybody's been waiting for this matchup forever. And it turned out about what you would expect two quarterbacks in their almost mid 40s going at it. It was uh, it was not the best, but you know what was the best? All of your guys' questions, and we got some great ones. And we'll start with a five-star review. Bobo5252. Hello, gents. Who are we cutting when uh, BB, Bashad Breeland, I'm assuming, and MV Pinnell are back? Are Bo Peak Keys and Tershawn Wharton more valuable than Titan 4 or Dorian O'Daniel slash Armani Watts? Do we keep Dorian O'Daniel to spy the first three weeks for Houston in Baltimore then put him on the practice squad for Breland? Are we really that light on linebacker after looking at the initial uh, PC? I'm assuming practice squad. Uh, you know Willie is going to be out there. I can't wait for the season to start. hope you guys are all well, and I never miss a podcast. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs, Bobo. Yeah, uh, 
I would like to think that Willie will be out there <laughs> by that <laughs> point, but uh, there, there's no guarantees there. I do think that tight end four is probably going to fall off the roster. He was inactive this week, so I think that's a spot that we can kind of target as a spot that the Chiefs are going to move on from. But we're just going to kind of have to see. We we saw some injuries. Colin Saunders, obviously. We saw Alex Okafor a little bit. We saw Charvarius Ward with a broken hand. He may not miss any time, but a lot of these guys – may end up on IR, and since IR is only a three-week thing, they may try and finagle the 53 and manage that in such a way that they can get away with not having to cut a key contributor. I would say that a guy like Dorian O'Daniel or Amani Watts that may not have the same sort of focus or ability to affect the game on defense may be a situation where they can move on from a guy, but they may be able to walk away from it. I, I don't think that it's a situation right now with the guys and the injuries that we're seeing in the NFL that they're going to have a problem, you know, having Pinnell or having Bashad Breeland on the roster. Well, I think one of the first places you can look is with Colin Saunders. I feel like that there's a good chance he's going to wind up on the IR, IR here pretty soon, and that kind of gives you a spot right there for Mike Pinnell to come back. You might have to fill that spot for a week, but like that's a spot already in waiting that originally probably would have been like Tershawn Wharton that's now going to stay on the roster at minimum until Colin Saunders is ready again. So just little things like that. You're seeing injuries stack up. I mean, even looking at Bashad Breeland, you have Traverius Ward injured as well. Like You might just be looking at these guys replacing players that were just injured in the meantime until everyone's back to full health. Yeah, I think they, I think they might just be able to kick down, kick the can down the road a little bit and kind of see what plays out. Like, at least with one of those, um, just because of, you know, Colin Saunders, I am anticipating probably goes on the IR. And I don't think Charvarius Ward is, but we'll see if he can get back for next week. The Clan McLean asks, who replaces Charvarius Ward and Colin Saunders on the active roster? Like, I, and I'm assuming this is game day and not the 53, unless he is assuming that both of these guys are going on IR in some capacity. But let's just, let's just talk about active roster for game day instead of just, Let's just do that. Well, I mean, I think immediately, because I think kind of the, the Colin Saunders one makes it a little tricky just because, well, they're both are, because you're getting another player returning from injury right afterwards. But Saunders is a longer-term injury, so I think Tershawn Wharton stays. For the meantime, I think Braxton Hoyt's called up. I don't know if he'll be active or not for the game. Like, if they really want four defensive tackles, and they probably should after just how much they played last week, then he probably gets to be activated as well. But I'd say Braxton Hoyt's the guy called up for Saunders. For Ward, I actually think Levert Hill will be called up, and I think there would be a shot he would be active over Bo Pete Keys just for the fact that he's probably a little bit more NFL-ready. He's not as well-suited to play on the outside, but it, you know you already have Antonio Hamilton, you have Rashad Fenton, who are playing a little bit outside and inside. If you have to replace Ward, one of those guys is probably stepping in right away this week, and I just think Levert Hill is probably a little bit more ready than Bo Pete Keys at this point in time to play, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him get activated and then be active for the game on Sunday. Ooh, I like that. I actually like that plan quite a bit. I, I agree. I think Levert Hill uh, mentally, scheme-wise, probably has things pretty well grasped. It's just, you know, NFL athlete and everything like that. But I would say that Taco Charlton takes Colin Saunders' spot on the active roster there. I think that's a situation where the Chiefs would probably like to keep four defensive tackles, but I think that uh, that Taco Charlton makes a bigger difference overall on the defensive scheme 
than trying to bring on that fourth defensive tackle if it is a Braxton Hoyt. If they had a better option, I think maybe they would like to lean on that a little bit more. But I think it makes sense, especially with Alex Okafor's injury, to bring in another defensive end, a guy that has a little bit of inside-outside versatility, and just kind of go from there. And then I don't I don't think that they're going to replace Ward. I think he's going to be playing with a cast. I think they're going to try and push him out there as much as possible, even though I would like the Levert Hill thing. I think Charvarius Ward is going to be starting against the Chargers. Real quick, Levert Hill is only 21 years old, by the way. He's still a very young kid, uh, and I hope that they can keep him around uh, on that practice squad. So I actually would not be stunned to see on the active roster for game day if Charvarius Ward can't go. I wouldn't be stunned to see them just replace Ward and Saunders with Taco Charlton and Demoni Harris and just try to mm. get by with three defensive tackles but have some depth along the defensive line try to light up the scoreboard, get into some more pass-heavy game scripts and just pin their ears back with a lot of those guys. That's something I could see them potentially doing uh, with the active roster. Um, I don't hate the idea of Levert Hill, though. I would love to see Levert Hill on the active roster. That would be a lot of fun. Chief Lutz asks, How concerned should we be about the defensive depth, specifically cornerback and linebacker? I'm not terribly worried about cornerback. I think it's six of one, half dozen of the other right now. Yes, missing Traverius Ward, if he were to miss, would be a big deal. He's the only guy that really has experience right now. But Bashad Breland's coming back, and we saw Legereus Need equate himself very well. So I, I think that they trust Rashad Fenton on the outside. They trust Antonio Hamilton. I think that they can get by with the games that they have coming up here. And then linebacker, the depth is the spot that we want them to play. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, the, the linebacker starters are the problem right now, not necessarily the depth. Willie Gay is the depth. He's the guy that should be on the field here, not the starters. The issue with corner is that the depth is all young players that we're relatively excited for. So like you can't be upset that you have young guys waiting in the wings at cornerback because the fact that like that means they have young guys with talent in there. So you can't be upset that they have a lot of young guys playing back there. And it's kind of similar for linebackers. The issue is probably a little bit more with the guys starting and the fact that there hasn't been a huge investment in anybody going on out there. But the young corners look pretty good. Fitton's had some flashes last year. Legereus Sneed had a really good first game. So I think you can get by. And I mean, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, whatever he's going by right now, and the Chargers do not look particularly scary through the air this upcoming week. So then you're getting Bashad Breeland back at Ward probably shortly thereafter if he doesn't play in the game, even with the cast. The cornerback room will be fine. The linebacker room, the issue is from the very top, from linebacker one down to whoever's the last guy in the room because they just simply aren't good. And as much as we want to see Willie Gay, who's the depth in this situation, be the guy that can come out there and play, they don't think he's as good as the guys that are starting right now. So yeah, you have to be a little worried about the depth if they think it's worse than the people that we're already fielding. Even if Willie Gay does get on the field, and I do think he will eventually, you still have two problems. You know, like I don't think there's anyone on the that we saw this week that really showed anything redeeming at the linebacker position. And I think that's part of the concern is even if you get Willie Gay involved, I still think you've got problems. Um, now, you know, Damian Wilson as a Sam, I think, you know, he's, he's all right. Uh, he's, he, he can be pretty good, but I, 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 he wasn't good this week. I, he just wasn't good this week at cornerback. I, I said this back when Bashad Breland 
when we kind of heard some of this news of suspension, I want to just throw these young guys to the fire and see what we have. And maybe this is just a little bit of me wanting, knowing that the Chiefs were world champions last year and feeling a little bit like content. But I want to, I want to throw those young guys out there. Let's see what you have. Let's see what the Chiefs have with this group moving forward because getting answers at the cornerback position from some of these young guys like Bo Pete Keys and LeJerry Sneed or Rashad Fenton would be huge for this team moving forward. And Russell, 2018, is Andy Reid officially B.O.B.'s father? Bill O'Brien, by the way. Uh, the answer, uh, I think, has to be yes. I believe the only win that Bill O'Brien has on Andy Reid is when Patrick Mahomes was hurt. I think that's the only time. It has not mattered who the quarterbacks are. Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid has had Bill O'Brien's number. I don't see that going. Well, I do see it going away pretty soon because Bill O'Brien's not going to be there pretty quickly. <laughs> I Yeah, that's definitely the case. Although I did enjoy that Bill O'Brien put that split zone play action look that I talked up last week on tape with Deshaun Watson running the bootleg. That was the touchdown that he ran at the end of the game. Defenses are going to have to prepare for that. So, I mean, he set some stuff up, uh, but uh, yeah, he's just... We're seeing what happens when Bill O'Brien has to orchestrate and construct a team. And frankly, it's just poor. His offensive line got beat up. Uh, his defense was not particularly good. It's just a lot of decisions that he has made that are coming back to haunt him. And yeah, it's not going to be around for very long, much longer. I'm not going to hold anything against Bill O'Brien because he just came up against the reigning world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, there's only so much you can do when you're playing against the best offense and defense in the NFL. So, of course, he looked overmatched. I mean, yeah, if we want to say that Andy is officially, you know, Bill O'Brien's father, give Bill O'Brien some credit. He has beaten Andy Reid twice since Andy Reid has been with the Chiefs. So it's not like he's been the worst. Craig's giving me a look right now like it's not twice, but I believe it is twice. It might be twice. I believe there, yeah, last okay. year, and then I believe there was another one before that. But anyway, yeah, so Bill O'Brien's been fine. You know, Bill O'Brien's not a good GM-coach combo. He might not even be a good coach, but he's a decent offensive mind. I'll always give him that. He's made his mistakes when he can control the roster, and I think we've seen a lot of smart offensive minds go down that road. So you know, Bill O'Brien is not going to be long for the Houston Texans co head coaching GM job like he is not going to keep it but I do think that he's smart enough to get another job somewhere in the NFL and like I said he does happen to have a little bit of success against Andy Reid compared to a lot of other teams in the NFL Bill O'Brien has some of that Adam Gase stench where they're cool. going to be able to talk themselves into another gig I 100% agree and it's going to go the same way the other one does He's so much better than Adam Gase. He is infinitely he, better than Adam Gase. He is. I don't think he's good enough. And I think his whole shtick wears fast. And I don't think he's going to be able to accommodate if he ever lucks into a topic. Like, I mean, he did He did with Deshaun. I mean, let's just talk with Deshaun. He's going to ruin his chances with Deshaun Watson. So you tell me. I mean, I, I, he can make the playoffs, but he's going to ruin what he has with Deshaun Watson and get fired in my opinion. He's going to get an offensive coordinator gig somewhere after he's moved on from, from Houston and he will be good at that. It's the GMing part that he's terrible at. Yeah, we'll see. I don't have it. I, I think his personality, I don't think he's a leader in the sense, in the same way that other, I just don't, I don't think he leads at a high enough level. 
Uh, I think that I think it's a dumpster fire behind the scenes. Brandon four twenty two. Were the Texans so overmatched versus the Chiefs that Andy Reid treated the game like a preseason game just to get the rookies reps and put the run game on tape so other defensive coordinators forced to account for it when game planning for future games? I think Andy Reid always holds back stuff as much as possible. Andy Reid is not a guy that's going to unload the entire clip if he doesn't have to. He very much enjoys that he's an offensive genius and he likes to bring stuff out or set it up slowly throughout the season. So yeah, I think there are things that Andy Reid specifically kept back, especially once it looked pretty obvious the Chiefs could matriculate the ball down the field at will with relatively basic vanilla plays. I think the Chiefs ran the ball a ton to put that on tape. It's not going to change. Teams aren't going to all of a sudden load boxes against the Chiefs. Like, so they're just going to, they're putting it out there like, hey, you want to play six guys in the box? We can run the ball for seven, eight yards of carry and go all the way down the field. Maybe you start to bridge the gap a little bit. So yeah, Andy is playing the long game there, but I don't think he was playing specific personnel from the get-go because he thought it was going to be an easy game. I don't think they overlooked the Texans to start. I just think once the Chiefs got rolling, Andy's like, okay, we're just going to pack it in and we're just going to call a vanilla game. And he does this every single season this is nothing new i mean the goal is to show as little as possible and win the game as comfortably as you can so you know sometimes you might throw some stuff out there to give teams something to think about and show some stuff sure but like it's it's try not to show too much as little as you can or just control and dictate what you want to show b john's 35 when does willie gay take the majority of linebacker snaps I mean, that's the question that all of Kansas City wants to know. And guys, I have the answer. It is week, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to edit it in later after he starts and then <laughs> re-upload this episode so that way I seem really smart. I don't know. I have no idea. 2021. 2021. Oh, oh man, I hope Please not. not. I Listen, he's got all the athletic ability in the world. He is a playmaker. We saw some of the clips from camp. It looks like he can run. It looks like he can play with athletes at this level. None of that is the problem. He's got high football character as well. You know, Steve Spagnuolo talks about how he's a football guy. That means something else isn't clicking. That means it's playbook. It means he's not, you know, picking everything up. He's shooting the wrong gaps. He's doing something like that. There's something else that's on the table that is from the mental or from the playbook side, in my opinion, that's making Matt House and Steve Spagnolo decide, listen, we would rather put these slower, less athletic guys that are getting beat up and down the field on the field rather than Willie Gay because they're worried about assignments. My favorite part was Andy addressing this a little bit after the game and <laughs> saying that these young guys get with special teams to learn pursuit angles and how to essentially track the ball as if our linebackers out there are somehow even mediocre <laughs> at tracking the ball or their pursuit angles. And their issue isn't the, like the, pers the angle, it's they simply don't have the athleticism to do so and sometimes the angle as well so it's just, I loved that rationale which I'm not saying it's not true or it's fake or anything it's just that rationale to me is hilarious because you can watch our linebackers consistently take really poor angles towards the ball I was like I mean you could find cutups from every for every single guy um one thing is like I think you saw Ben Demon get a lot of love from the coaching staff during the preseason and it could simply be just giving a chance for the vet to show him, you know, I maybe it had maybe because like there's been a lot of love for Willie Gay too. 
Willie Gay has received a lot of love from this coaching staff. It's not like they've been like, you know, it's not been those canned answers like, yeah, well, you know, rookies, it takes them a while to pick things up. And like, we haven't <laughs> seen a lot of that from him. Maybe it's simply just like, maybe this, maybe the staff really does just love Ben Neiman. If if you listen to Ben Neiman talk, Ben Neiman talks like a guy that's, you know, listen, uh, a lot of guys get hurt, you know, guys rotate around. I just got to be available, you know, whenever the situation arises for me to play. He talks like a backup and he's, he's <laughs> getting all of the dime reps, all of the base reps. Basically everything but the the Buffalo reps. He led the linebackers in snaps. And yes, because they played fifty percent in the dime this weekend. So I mean, it's a situation where they are leaning on Ben Neiman, but he's talking like, yeah, it's just a matter of time. And so it makes me wonder if you know he knows the writings on the wall. Maybe I we'll see. We'll see. We'll find out. It's a matter of time until Dorian O'Daniel takes over because uh, he gets Dorian, reps before Willie Gay. Let's listen, just, Dorian O'Daniel is just in there as a QB spot. Let's, like, let's, let's see him take a snap other than against the Texans before we make any determination about <laughs> or whether the or not Dorian O'Daniel is a part of this defense. Yeah. Like, yeah. honestly. Uh, <laughs> Nate CH, 32. Who will give Legarius Sneed's induction speech into the Hall of Fame? I'm hoping me. Uh, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm standing hard for Legarius. We're all standing hard for Legarius. Uh, it, I don't know why he played safety in 2019, but I think the reason the Chiefs have him right now is because he played safety in 2019. We're going to take a break and we will be back right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, continuing our questions from Twitter, Andrew Nagel asks, what teams surprised and disappointed you in week one? I mean, I think you have to kind of start with the Jacksonville Jaguars for uh, I mean, winning a football game for starters, but then beating a team that a lot of people thought were going to win their division in the Colts, thought they were going to have a playoff team. But some people, I think, even had them as a Super Bowl contender with a quarterback like Phillip Rivers, so Jaguars big surprise team and then for a team that disappointed I was a little disappointed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and not only just because they lost anything like that but they look like a team that had a ton of new pieces that didn't know how to play together they had a lot of mental mistakes and I wouldn't have pinpointed a team coached by Bruce Arians and with Tom Brady leading the offense to have so many mental gaffes like you can because it was Bill Maddie it was all Bill I don't, you can talk all you want about Tom Brady's up and downs as a play. It's just, they had two return men run into each other and muff a kickoff that essentially let the game get out of hand. It's just, I didn't expect such sloppy play from a team that had two really good veteran leaders. Yeah, for me, uh, the Washington football team was a surprise. I did not expect Dwayne Haskins to come out and be able to beat the Eagles. Yes, the Eagles were poor. They made a bunch of, you know, silly mistakes throughout the course of the day but Dwayne Haskins from what we saw last year to this year I I just didn't expect him to be able to go out and be kind of the leader of men that he was they talked about how he led a speech that kind of rallied the team and they were able to push past the Eagles there that's good that's good news for that franchise I know a lot of them were worried about Dwayne Haskins maybe being the the quarterback this year you know after a year off there so that's a big deal and then as far as a disappointment goes, I mean, the Bills, in a win, they looked ugly. Like, <laughs> they looked super ugly, and the Jets are the worst team in the NFL, and the Bills let them hang around for too long. Like, And Josh Allen was garbage, put the ball on the ground too often, missed a wide-open dude on a rollout to his left. I mean, like, the widest open dude that you've ever seen, ever. He just completely airmailed the ball over him. So I I was a little bit disappointed in the Bills. They've got a lot of hype as well. I expect them to go forward and improve, but you got to beat an awful Jets team that has no receivers better than that. I think my surprise, I'm going to go with the Bears. Uh, because Mitchell Trubisky came out and ended the game with some really impressive throws. Uh, you know, it's much maligned. There's been a lot going on with Mitchell Trubisky and his career arc, and this is obviously like the most pivotal point in his entire career. And he came out and answered a lot of questions, at least for one week, with that really impressive comeback against the Detroit Lions and made a fantastic throw to Andrew Miller. Uh, my biggest disappointment, I think, has got to be the San Francisco 49ers. Surely, with a defense as good as they have, if they're going to score 20 points in a game, they're going to come out on top, right? I mean, it only makes sense. 20 points should be more than enough for the San Francisco 49ers offensively with that kind of defense to win a football game. But... 
I checked the stats, and apparently in the last two games that this team has played, they've scored 20 points, and it hasn't been enough. So I think it's a big disappointment for the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, yeah, they're right. Also, they're coming off a Super Bowl loss, and the hangover has is, is happened, and it's starting, and it happened at the, at the, at the hands of Kyler Murray and the very handsome Cliff Kingsbury. I'm probably going to get a few more Niners jokes in here before it's all said and done. But it's starting week one. The 49ers lost the Super Bowl, and they still haven't won a game since then. Uh, let's see how long that takes. It would be really funny if the 33ers happened this year. Uh, with a quarterback. Hold on. No, let me. I'm cooking still. I'm cooking still. With a quarterback as bad as that is, I could see it happening. I could see the 33ers happening because Jimmy G stinks. He stunk last year. He stunk in the fourth quarter. He wasn't good enough last year. And, the, and they lost the Super Bowl because of him. And now they might wind up missing the playoffs this year because he stinks. Anyways, what were you going to say? I was just going to say nothing would make me happier than them being the 33ers this year. But now that you're somehow calling for it again as if you didn't take the biggest L you could have last year on it, <laughs> you realize, it makes like, it a lot less fun. It was a joyful L, though. Because they were the 63ers and not the 64ers. Fours, and that's all that matters in this world. Tomas Ramirez. Does Turk Wharton get more playing time now that Colin Saunders is hurt? I like what I saw Thursday night from him. Absolutely. He looked like a player that belongs on the field. I think Kent even said that he belongs, you know, it should have been drafted. He played like a player that should have been drafted. Uh, Turk Wharton didn't see the field until Colin Saunders got hurt. That very next play, they put Turk Wharton in there. Derek Nani was on a very specific pitch count, it appeared by the way that they were rotating these guys around. Turk Wharton, near the end of the game, they just said, nah, I tell you what, man, line up and go hard. Let's see what happens. Let's see what you can do with this you know, multi-score lead here, rushing the passer, and he looked good doing it. He looked like a guy that deserved to be on the field. He showed a lot in the limited amount of snaps. I think he's just going to grow as a player. I think we're going to see him... You know, obviously, they trust him to pick up the playbook and be in the right spots at the right time, and we got to see some flashes of agility. So I just think that we're going to see him grow as a player rapidly. Colin Saunders getting hurt means that Turk Wharton is going to get be the full and sole beneficiary of all of that. So keep an eye on that going forward because Wharton looked really good on Thursday. Yeah, we have to dive in a little bit more as we get to see a little bit more film, but Tershawn Wharton looked really good. I think he plays a similar style of football to what Colin Saunders is supposed to. So the fact that if you're replacing Colin Saunders one for one with Tershawn Wharton, it makes a ton of sense. They're both got pretty explosive, have some good lateral agility for guys that play defensive tackle. They are very good backup three techniques to back up Chris Jones. I don't think either one of them play with the kind of anchor and gap control that you would want to see them playing nose tackle. So at least for this week, that puts a lot of pressure on Derek Nadi, who's kind of going to be by himself in that role on this team until Mike Pinnell can come back. But I mean, as we get into more film, maybe we'll see. Maybe Tershawn Wharton, who's still only listed at 280 pounds. And I, I mean, I feel like he's heavier than that. He looks thicker than that. But that's just not a guy that's going to be a super strong anchor versus the run. And Colin Saunders, while maybe not the strongest guy against the run up the middle, he does weigh 315, 320 pounds. So there's a lot more man to move there than there is with Wharton. So that's something to keep an eye on as we keep going forward because already, you know, Chris Jones isn't the best run defender. That kind of limits what you can do if you have two guys that are neither one of them can really anchor versus the run. But is a one-for-one one for Saunders, it makes a lot of sense. I think I said it, and I don't know if it was on our post-game recap, 
or just these guys in private, but Tershawn Wharton looked to me like the player that everybody thought Colin Saunders was going to last year. He was more explosive than Saunders ever was last year. He got off the ball a lot faster. He showed the ability to play behind the line of scrimmage just in this one game more than Saunders did all last season. He is what I think a lot of people wanted Colin Saunders to be last year. So if he can build on that, that's really good for him. I thought Treshawn Wharton was better at the point of attack in the run game than I thought he would be. You know, and I don't know what he weighs, and I don't think it was perfect down for down, but I think there was some flashes where I thought he held his own in there. And he was able to get off blocks, even for being kind of a shorter guy. Um, you know, was able to get off some blocks, but I think he held his own at the line of scrimmage better than I kind of anticipated, too. I don't know what he's weighing, if he's in the 280s, if he's a little bit heavier than that. But I was pretty impressed overall with him uh, in that regard, too. Just a little ad- addition there. Chandler W78. If Legereus Sneed is what we saw in week one, does Bashad Breeland become a trade candidate? No. He does not become a trade candidate because I think the depth of this cornerback position still presents a lot of concerns, a lot of inexperience. You know, I like I just I just got done saying I want to see these guys thrown into the fire, but that doesn't mean I want them to roll with them, ride or die into the playoffs. I think having that veteran experience depth is going to be extremely valuable because of something like Charvarius Ward. You know what? If Charvarius Ward, you know, got you know because Charvarius got hurt. It would be really nice to have Bashad Breeland there right now. I'll say that. It'd be you know, you could maybe not rush Charvarius Ward back to playing. Maybe you give him a week off, let him recover a little bit more, not risk any additional injury. But no, this team is forced to do it. They don't have a ton of established depth at this position. They still have very interesting depth, but you've got to hold on to Bashad Breeland. Uh, I would not trade him. I'd keep him. That being said, I'm not sure what we saw from what we saw week one. I don't think Legereus Sneed has given away his starting spot. Legereus Sneed is not giving away that starting spot. That's my bold prediction for the rest of the season. That dude's going to play. Um, the NFL didn't really have a big amount of interest in Bashad Breeland this offseason. Yes, there was a suspension coming. Yes, there was, you know, the COVID and everything like that that was preventing a lot of this from going forward. But it's not like. Teams watched him in the Super Bowl where he was very, very, very good and went, man, we got to go out and get that guy. Nobody really rushed out to try and sign him, and he landed with the Chiefs again. So I don't think there's a situation now four weeks later into the season where another team is going to look at you know what the Chiefs have going on here and what they've drafted and tried to move on from Bashad Breeland in the future and say, we're going to give a premium asset for that. So with that being said what do you accept for Brashad Breland that is more valuable than him being on this roster and being a safety net for the rest of the year? I don't think that there's anything really that realistically the NFL is going to give up that can you know equal that value for the Chiefs. And that's the tricky part. That's why Brashad Breland probably isn't a good trade candidate is nobody really wanted him already. So now that he went through free agency, a team's going to up and decide that they are going to want to give up an asset to bring him in when they had the option to do it for free. Like, they, yeah, he was going to be facing a suspension, and maybe that was part of the issue going into it. But you're if you're trading for midseason, you're already going to be losing games that he didn't play for your team to start the year. So it's just, I don't see there being any kind of trade market for Bashad Breland whatsoever. I mean, I almost feel bad for him because the guy was the Chiefs' best cornerback last year when it mattered. 
like during the playoffs, during big games, he was the best cornerback for the Chiefs. They treated him as such. To start the year, they allowed him to try shadowing number one wide receivers. They played him again on the left side of the defense, which is usually where you play your better cornerback. He was the Chiefs' best corner when it mattered the most. And now we're talking about him getting suspended and maybe not even earning his job back. I mean, that's, that's rough for him. He's going to end up losing out on a lot of money because he's going to have to take another small deal next year for another team if he doesn't get that job back. So I just, I mean, that's a side rant tangent there, kind of like a rant Swanson thing, but it's just, it sucks for Rashad Breeland that he is going to lose a lot of money from this whole thing because I agree. I think Legereus Sneed is going to keep that position for a lot of the time unless there's a long-term injury to Sneed or to Charvarius Ward. I don't know if he becomes a full-time starter again, and that's just going to be a hard position for him to be in as the year ends. Tamindis79 asks, Lamar is what percent, and this is Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is what percent as good as Patrick LeVon Mahomes? 0.2, just like his record versus Patrick Mahomes. Oh! My can we goodness. Give a, can we get a real answer, though, to Maddie? I'm not, get, I'm, not letting you, I'm not letting you off that easy. Let's get a real that answer, too. was a real answer. <laughs> Um, okay, Lamar Jackson as as a passer. I'm going to split it up here. As a passer, Lamar Jackson just as a passer is Patrick Mahomes. And this encompasses arm talent, pocket IQ, his mobility, his ability to read, feel pressure in the pocket, pocket awareness, accuracy, everything that goes into being a passer in the NFL. I'd say he's like 70% as good as Patrick Mahomes. It's, I think there's a huge gap. I don't think he understands the game near as well pre-snap, post-snap. I don't think he's near as dangerous from the pocket, out of the pocket. He holds the ball a lot longer than Patrick Mahomes does in bad situations. He's extremely inaccurate at times. I don't think Lamar Jackson is anywhere close to Patrick Mahomes as a passer. I don't think Lamar Jackson's that good of a passer. As an overall player, though, when you start encompassing in their scheme and how well it relates to them, how dangerous he is as a runner, which makes him a very dangerous football player, you put all those things together and how that gives him some easier throws and everything like that. I think Lamar Jackson is 83.679% as good as Patrick Mahomes. I still think there's a pretty big gap, and I think you see that in the playoffs, but Lamar Jackson is a very good football player at the NFL level that deserved an MVP last year. He's probably going to be in contention again this year because of how good he is. Just, I think, when it matters against really good teams, there's a big gap between the two of them. Matt, Matty stole my percentage down, down to the decimal point, you guys. Are you I, kidding me? No, of course not. That'd be no. amazing. No, <laughs> we've been, we've been a, dude. We've hung around each other a lot. That's true. That's true. No, I, I agree with the overall sentiment that that Matt's got there. But I'm going to take this a little different spot. Stop comparing quarterbacks to Patrick Lavon Mahomes. It's not fair to the quarterbacks that you're comparing him to. Patrick Lavon Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL through Woo! this point in his career. Stop trying to compare players to him. He's go. probably going to be one of the greatest players of all time, barring a major injury. This man is what the quarterback position is now. He is going to be the standard bearer for generations to come much like you you know hold in high esteem joe montana john elway you know dan marino these guys like that tom brady patrick mahomes is going to come through he's going to rewrite every record in the history books he's going to rewrite everything that you know about quarterbacks he is going to he already has normalized things that are inhuman for a quarterback stop comparing other quarterbacks to him they can't do what he can do 
So there should be a tier that's the Patrick Mahomes tier and then start at one after that. Give a percentage. 83.6789%. I'm going to bump it up a little bit with the caveat that I think I don't think Lamar's game is going to age as well because I do believe and I do 100% agree with Maddie that his ceiling as a passer is significantly different than Mahomes. I would say right now I'd give it 89 uh, because of the dynamic ability that is in those young legs. Um, but I do believe – I don't think his game's going to age as well because I don't think his ceiling as a pastor is remotely the same as a guy like Patrick Mahomes. So if you ask me in eight years, it's going to be way less. McAllen Walker, from a scheme perspective, how much benefit is Clyde Edwards-Alaire in terms of light boxes versus stack boxes? The value of Clyde Edwards-Alaire has not even remotely been felt yet. That's crazy to think about. As a as a passer uh, or as a pass catcher, we really haven't seen the value of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But as a runner, running into those light boxes, he's going to get what's there, and he might get, be able to get a little bit more if he's able to get to the second level. And that's a value that we did not always see when watching the Kansas City Chiefs last year. It didn't matter if the boxes were lighter that running backs weren't always capitalizing at a rate at which they should be. Um, Pat, Clyde Edwards-Lair has significantly better vision. We saw that already week one as a runner. Um, he's so... Anticipation instincts at the second level is better than about anybody I've seen. Um, so the value there schematically, I mean, he's getting yards that other guys weren't in similar situations. So there's his value and just wait until you see what he does in the passing game because it's coming i don't think it's going to ever change i don't think no matter how good the running back is for the chiefs it's going to change light box stacked box things like that when you have patrick mahomes there's zero chance a team's just going to load up the box just because there's a running back on the field when you're facing patrick mahomes on the other side what he will do though is make those guys on the second level and even some safeties that aren't playing deep hesitate a little bit longer. You'll get those guys on their toes occasionally. You might get them to take a false step forward a few more times just because they don't want to be in the open field and get embarrassed. These players don't watch every football game. A lot of them in the season don't even watch full football games. They watch tape and they watch ESPN highlights and what's on ESPN highlights, guys getting embarrassed. Justin Reed falling over in the open field to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that's what they see. They don't want to be that guy. They are going to see it happen to them or their friend one time on the field, and they're going to want to come up and make a big hit. They're going to want to come up and attack him in a narrow area rather than open space. So you might get a couple guys to just stall out a little bit longer in their starting position, which will give Mahomes that much more space deep to the sideline, over the middle of the field, wherever. I don't think it'll show up in something as obvious as the numbers of guys in the boxes but I do think you'll see a little bit slower guys getting out of the blocks in terms of getting depth from the linebacker group the safety group of opponents especially if Clyde keeps having the success he did this first week chief boy RDG we know the screenplay to Kelsey was a thing of beauty did you see Andy Reid bust out anything new this week scheme play wise also it seemed like we ran a lot this week do you expect this to be the new balance of pass run or just Andy showing off the new toy I think game script wise, just the way the Texans played the ball, we ended up running the ball a lot more. I don't think that was something they came in and said, we are going to pound the rock. I would expect to see a slight bit more running 
this year just because I think the Chiefs will be better at it, but I don't think they will ever try to get to 50-50. I don't think that'll ever be the goal entering a game. As far as seeing something new, the Chiefs ran a lot of kind of pseudo downfield screens. They would throw quick little hitches to wide receivers on the outside, especially when corners were playing off or bailing, and then have a slot wide receiver or a tight end only blocking. They would just sprint downfield and block. So these screens essentially would start five yards downfield rather than at or behind the line of scrimmage. I think they ran three or four of those just in the first half. They were trying to get the ball into their playmakers' hands quick and early, but they were putting it downfield a little bit. So that was just a fun little wrinkle. But as far as super new stuff, I don't think so. You got a lot more inside zone. That's the only other big new thing I have to talk about. A little bit more power runs and a lot more inside zone than you ever saw last year. Yeah, this is this is not going to be something that's anything but game script. Uh, the Houston Texans, uh, from everything that we know, they were trying to take away the deep ball. Like they were trying to limit everything deep. So what do the Chiefs do? They try and you know force the Texans to kind of sit back, and then they take what they give them. They get these screens, they set some stuff up, they run the ball more against some light boxes. It just makes sense. That's how you should attack a team that's trying to take away the deep stuff there. There is going to be another team that comes up here that says, we're going to take away Clyde Edwards' lair. And then the Chiefs are just going to look like the Chiefs of old. That's that's how it is. This is the balance that we've been talking about throughout the season here. I know a lot of people freaked out because they saw Patrick Mahomes' stat line. And they went, oh no, the Chiefs are not going to throw the ball anymore. Andy Reid's going to throw the ball. Andy Reid lives to throw the ball. That's what's going to happen. It's just what the offense or what the defense is giving the Chiefs offense, and they have the personnel to do it every way, every day now. So that makes a big difference, and it's going to lead to games like this. This people start questioning whether or not the Chiefs have it in the passing game anymore. And then we're going to flip around and have a game where Mahomes throws for 405 touchdowns and Clyde has, you know, 20 yards rushing. And then they're going to question whether or not the Chiefs needed a first round running back again. Andy was throwing the football and getting criticized for throwing the football before it was cool to throw the football. Like, no joke. People used to get mad at him because he didn't. He didn't run the football enough in Philadelphia. Back in Philadelphia, and he's been in Kansas City for a long time, seven years now. Andy Reid is going to sling the football. They didn't pay Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars to all of a sudden be a 50-50 run pass team. It's not happening. What happened was the Chiefs were whooping the Texans so bad that it didn't they didn't need to show anything else they didn't need to flex any muscle they didn't need they could sit on the football so what they do they dominated at the line of scrimmage and Clyde Edwards-Alaire ran it down their throats because they could control the game i'm not worried for one second that they're all of a sudden going to 50-50 this this offense with all this high horsepower and all of a sudden they're just going to turn around and hand the football to Clyde Edwards-Alaire every week they are they were controlling that game and guess what they put a lot of run on tape and they showed how dynamic of a runner Clyde Edwards-Alaire is so yeah maybe they were just showing off the toy a little bit i don't think that's what the game plan was but it just it just so happened that they were able to show off Clyde Edwards-Alaire and stress the next guy uh, the next team out they're going to sling it they're going to be opportunistic with all the big plays. And they're going to hit some big plays here before you know it. Just, 
I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I think the whole Andy Reid's all of a sudden going to completely flip the script on everything he's ever known <laughs> and is going to value Clyde Edwards-Alaire above Patrick LeVon Mahomes and all the weapons. I think it's absurd. I think it's an overcorrection for people that were upset that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was drafted in the first round. That's what I think that is. They would have paid Alex Smith if they wanted to just have somebody to do a 50-50 script. <laughs> exactly. It's It's ridiculous. It's just like, it, I know those people are conflicted because Andy Reid also went for it on fourth and inches at the, his own 34-yard line. So there's a lot of conflicting, in, there's a lot of people conflicted right now. But just just get over the whole, I'm, I just, I'm so over that. I think it's ridiculous. He's not going to all of a sudden just, we're not, the Chiefs are running the veer. Here we go, triple option. Damn Ears asks, how will Demarcus Robinson extend his usage beyond the first quarter of the season? It seems like his involvement wanes as the season goes on. This goes back to just what we were talking about there. Texans trying to take away the deep stuff, taking away Tyree Kill, taking away, you know, Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey running some of that vertical stuff. And so Demarcus Robinson is a primary beneficiary of that running, you know, these overs, these digs these you know underneath stuff taking advantage of the texans third fourth corner whoever it was that was matched up against him we will see game scripts like that going forward here but if demarcus robinson doesn't clean up his hands then frankly you're going to see him disappear because they're going to give guys like byron pringle mccall hardman more reps because they can do more with those reps. Yes, D-Rob knows where to be. Yes, he's a good blocker. But frankly, if you can't catch the ball, Andy Reid is going to bench you very, very, very quickly. But it hasn't happened. I know. Demarcus Robinson know. has not had good hands for a while. Actually, I take that back. Demarcus Robinson has fine hands. He lacks concentration on some very easy catches now these particular two drops that he had in this Texans game were not the easiest of catches you would like to see him come down with one or two of them or one of them at least but if not both of them the thing is he can play every wide receiver position he does all the little things that can be asked of him he will work with Mahomes when he breaks out of structure he while might not run the most technical routes it does seem like he has the trust of the offense to run the right routes which is something he didn't have early in his career and they have believed that he will be running to the right spots in the field at the right times now he gets targets in bunches it seems like so certain matchups pat will go to him a ton other matchups he won't go to him very much i would love to see byron pringle replace demarcus robinson and the starting lineup for the chiefs i think he does everything demarcus robinson does just better i simply think he is a better player in every aspect besides maybe blocking and it's not like byron pringle's a bad blocker either but they don't think so there's something that's causing them not to do that i don't think you see demarcus robinson just start losing snaps because if that was the case they wouldn't have brought him back and they wouldn't keep playing him in these last two games versus the texans where he drops five passes in the first half of both games combined the dirty secret is Andy Reid's fifth offensive weapon option isn't going to be ultra productive anyway. Um, it's a very niche. It can be niche with like a guy like McCole Hardman, where you're trying to manufacture some touches and try to you know show some things and and hopefully get some big plays down the field. So I don't think, but I also don't think I don't know how how long the Marcus Robinson's leash is going to be in this situation too as the fifth option. Now, here's where it gets weird. If one of Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill gets hurt, I bet you Demarcus Robinson's right back in the lineup. 
I think from a continuity, from a trust perspective, from handling a full workload, I don't think it would be a McCole Hardman or a Byron Pringle replacing a Sammy Watkins or Tyree Kill. Maybe Tyree Kill, you get you get you get McCole Hardman involved a little bit more. I still think that they would go back to the well of the guy that they know. I think they would probably try to get Demarcus Robinson in more than you would be comfortable with as a fan, just because I think there's just an ultimate level of trust. There's a good relationship with Patrick, and you've seen some spurts of really productive games with Demarcus Robinson. Um, I do think it's just familiarity, trust, that it all comes down to that right now with him. Um, it's, it's a weird, but I mean, right now it doesn't matter because he's the fifth option. It could really matter if one of these guys gets hurt, and then, you know, I, I think you'd, he'd get more than you're excited about. Not a Chiefs fan asks, how do you think, or who do you think will be third on the team in sacks this season? I think Tano Pasnio is going to have the most opportunities, so I think that's the easy guess. Like, I mean, this is kind of tricky because the Chiefs have a fair amount of guys that can get sacks. That she, I mean, I think we're all assuming that Chris Jones and Frank Clark, as long as they're healthy or even healthy for half the season, are going to be one and two. And that leaves next is just going to be one of about five or six guys. And as much as I would love to pick a second or third level player because of the amount of blitzes that they're going to pull off and be successful with, Passanio is a starting defensive end. He plays inside on sub-package downs where he's rushing the defensive tackle. He's going to get a lot of opportunities to clean up sacks that other guys get. I think he's just the easy, safe bet over everybody else. Yeah, I think that's the case as well. But I, if he didn't have a hammy injury right now, I thought Alex Okafor looked phenomenal on Thursday. Like, I thought he had a little more burst to him. I thought he looked much better rushing rushing the passer. Like, the game and a half that I've been talking about all offseason for Alex Okafor, that's how he looked walking in week one this week. And so I was really excited. I mean, he had a th- 37% pressure slash sack rate this week. By far the most of any Chiefs defender. Now, he didn't get very many reps. He didn't have a whole lot of snaps there, but he made his impact when those were on the field. So I would have liked to see Alex Okafor see the field more, but I'm worried this hammy injury is just going to linger for a long time, like most of the injuries throughout Alex Okafor's career. Can we talk about how Tyron Matthew looked like a better edge rusher uh, than Breland Speaks ever did in his entire mm. career here in Kansas City. Like, that was nasty. Mm-hmm. Legion of Zoom asks, do you think that, uh, do you think with against the Chargers we will see more shot plays or the quick game? I think you're, I think the Chargers are going to continue to be hell-bent on taking away the vertical stuff and the shot plays and the explosives. That's what they've been content with doing the last two, uh, the, I, specifically last season. They were really content on that. So I think you're gonna see, uh, I think you're gonna see a lot of teams forcing the Chiefs to, you know, kind of just play down to down, drive the football. I think that's what you're gonna wind up seeing. I think Clyde Edwards-Helaire helps balance that out, and I think you're gonna be able to see more shot plays because of it. But I think they're gonna be continuing to kind of operate with the quick game. Yeah, I I think so as well. The Chargers have done a really good job of limiting Mahomes more so than any other team in the NFL thus far. You know, Ingram and Bosa create problems on the outside there, and they just have fairly good secondary players. I know they're hurt all the time, but it seems like, you know, Gus Bradley gets those guys coached up 
well enough there. Patrick Mahomes just doesn't tend to have great games against the Chargers because he's forced out of his comfort zone there. So yeah, I'd expect quick passes. You know, Chiefs won't necessarily get in the same rhythm that we saw him get in against Houston. Yeah, same. You can sweep that across the board. The Chargers are going to spend a lot of time with the cover three, cover six looks. They're going to have the backside guy trying to take over deep over routes. They did this against the Chiefs a ton last year. They are going to make the Chiefs throw it underneath and try to beat them in the open field. I do think, though, what the Chiefs showed against the Texans is they are more, and what they did in the playoffs last year, they're more than willing to take that stuff, and they're starting to get a better rhythm when they're not able to throw it deep, when they're not able to throw the ball 15, 20 yards down the field. So I don't think the offense is going to struggle at all. I actually, judging by what I saw from the Chargers defense today, I think the Chiefs are going to have a pretty good game against them. I just wouldn't expect a ton of deep passing, especially with the way Bosa and Ingram can rush the passer. One thing to look out for, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, when they get him matched up on him, and Clyde Edwards-Elair, if they decide to use him in the passing game, versus Kenneth Murray, who the Chargers are being forced to use as a coverage linebacker right now, that could get ugly really fast. We all just saw how Zach Cunningham looked trying to cover anybody on the Chiefs. Kenneth Murray is like half as good as Zach Cunningham in coverage right now, especially man coverage. That is a big matchup to watch if you want to see uh, Kelsey, Clyde, Sammy Watkins, because they get him on linebackers over the middle field a lot, have some big plays. I was going to just close with, I think the Chiefs are going to beat the brakes off the Los Angeles Chargers next mm-hmm. week. Uh, just so you know, just because it's not going to be as sexy of a performance, they're going to beat the brakes off of them. Uh, just so you know. And we'll be talking about that game and previewing that game later this week on the second episode of the AP Laboratory. Thank you so much for all your questions. Thank you so much for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast channel. Be sure you're checking out what we're all doing here on the channel. A lot of great stuff going on during the season. We'll be back on Friday with the game preview edition of the AP Laboratory. We'll catch you later. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd all mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.